Pitch, the show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at the seminal and underrated primetime soap opera of the early aughts, the O.C. I'm your host for the evening and every evening, Mike Gravano. With me, as always, is my boon companion, my bosom buddy, my best bow, Ryan. I like the fact that you're trying new ways to say the intro. Um, but maybe we just try, like, pick one way to do it every time. Mm. Like, you say OCD, bitch, try that different ways. But in this case, you said every single letter or word differently. Uh-huh. So you basically talk like a ransom note. <laughs> and next time, let's just try saying OCD, bitch, all in the same voice and, like, font. It's maybe. a real uh, real hairy holes. You could have saved them, Mr. Policeman. I gave you all the clues. Yep. You Is did- Harry Holes your, that detective comic that you wrote? And they turned it into a movie, but stole... All my money. What is the movie? The Snowman. Oh, of course. Was Fassbender in that? Yes. Ugh. It's a movie nobody saw, but I definitely have parts of it memorized because how could you not? His name is Harry Holes. <laughs> and the, the big like dramatic part of the trailer is a stupid little kid looking written note with magazines that says, you could have saved them, Mr. Policeman. I gave you all the clues. I can tell you've seen it because the rap song over the credits that uh-huh. tells the story of the movie, it starts, his name is Harry Holes. And that's exactly what you just His said. His name is Harry Holes. He what? doesn't have moles. It's weird that I would bring up the fact that he's got no moles. Something like that. But I got moles, so everybody does. But not motherfucking Harry Holes. Do you think it's weird that Michael Fassbender is still called Michael Fassbender and not Too Fast, Too Bender? I do think that's weird. That's fucking weird, right? Why wouldn't they call him that? I don't know. We'll call up TMZ. We'll tell him to start it. <laughs> Mr. TMZ? Yes. You should have changed his name. We gave you all the clues. Or Perez Hilton. Can we call him? Mr. T.M. Perez. Anybody with a Z in their name is related, right? Yes. Is that racist? That is absolutely racist. I don't think so. Most times racists don't think what they're saying is racist, which is baffling to me. Shit. I'm not racist. I just think that some races are much less than other races. Uh, Do you know what's in the news right now, Ryan? What's that? Uh, Cereal is back. Yes. Everybody's eating it up again in the morning. Sure. And That's actually true, though. I know you're talking about the flagship podcast of NPR, mm-hmm. but it's also true. I feel like that cereal with a C is also on the upswing. I'm buying stock in both cereal and cereal. Are you going to buy the cereal cereal with little marshmallows sh- shaped like Sarah Koenig? You said marshmallow shits. <laughs> yeah, little, it's marshmallows of shits and marshmallows of Sarah Koenig. Uh, but yeah, there's a fully guy screaming racist things and be like, what? That's not racist. Are you talking about Judge Gall? It might be Judge Gall. The no, Gall. The Gall's on that guy. I think there's another guy, another old white Irish. I didn't know Cleveland was so white and Irish. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really had no idea. I guess that's a commercial for another podcast that's not connected to our podcast network at all. I'm sure episode five of Serial will have a commercial for the OCD. Because one of us shows up on trial. <laughs> In Cleveland. In Cleveland. The worst, the worst amusement park is Cleveland. For sure. It's just all, all your rides are either Cleveland themed, which is the mistake on the lake, so that sucks. Or cleavage or, themed? Or cleavage themes, which I guess is, on paper, is the best, uh-huh. but is gross. Right. Uh, it's sweaty in there. Or it's cleaver themed, both leave it to the and the giant knife. This bit took some crazy turns, all for the better, I believe. I think so. I think it's going wonderfully so far. So, yeah, uh, do, would you like to either tell me more about Cleverland, which is two different Cleveland. Cleavers, or uh, would we like to move on and never speak of this bit again? Tonight on the OC, 
Ryan's Oliver suspicions increase when Oliver suddenly transfers to Harbor High. Of course he did. But Ryan's attempts ex- to expose Oliver as the person that he truly is gets met with negative approval from everyone. Negative approval? There's probably a word for that. <laughs> meanwhile, Summer shows off her new funny boyfriend, Danny. Mean, meanwhile, Sandy and Jimmy prepare to sign the lease papers to build their own seafood restaurant at the lighthouse, but Jimmy doesn't know if he's ready for this new business venture. Sandy's got a Sandy. All that and more. Next. Ryan, what grouping would you like to talk about? The Probably the quickest one, if you want to get one out of the way. Do you want to go strong or lame? Let's go quick. Lame. Okay. So, Jimmy and Sandy are mm-hmm. hovering in the background. They were sort of the C-plot last week. Right. They're the C-plot this week. Last week was them drinking martinis at the lighthouse. And doing that thing, like... We could start a bar. Two idiots getting super drunk and say, we should do another podcast. Let's do it. Let's make it about that OC. Watch the OC. Talk about it. Wow. I'm sorry. I full. What cartoon was that? The Great Kazoo? Fred, don't tell Wilma I exist. I've never heard you do that. I've only heard you do terrible, <laughs> terrible voices. Are you are you upset that I've been holding out? No. What do you want the yeah, Great what do you, Kazoo what to say? What if I was real upset about that? That you've been holding that out for me for a long time? What do you want, what do you want that voice to say? <laughs> I want your host voice to move on with the show, you dipshit. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the show yet. All right, Sandy and Jimmy drinking martinis, saying they can do whatever they want. Now, there's a couple things going on here. It's one or the other. One, they need certain things to happen in this episode and then in other episodes. So they stretch out this plot line in an absurd way, which is full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think everything that Sandy does is like, come on, Sandy, really? Like he just gets drunk, decides to open a restaurant and then runs with it. But Jimmy, is, the way that Jimmy reacts, he's hot and cold the entire time. Right. And it feels like we could have deleted a lot of their scenes by just saying, Jimmy saying, just being on board right away. It's almost like that C-plots have to have a certain amount of screen time, but they didn't want to move too fast with the plot line. So they just had Jimmy hem and haw the whole time. And this is the most Jimmy being Jimmy because, dude... Your life and Sandy straight up says this. Your life is fucking falling apart. Yeah. Your life is worse than Jimmy Coop. Oh shit! I should not say that phrase to you. I thought I was talking to a different neighbor. <laughs> um, can you just work with me here? Yeah, it's this is Jimmy's got a Jimmy, and I think that's why he has to hem and haw. Any other character would dive in right away. That's not how Jimmy Jimmy's. Or just say no yeah. and move on with their lives. Well, yeah, especially like, Sandy is so Sandy about it, and he's just like. Order up some martinis and meatloaf because we got a restaurant. And Jimmy's just like, it's, it's too fast. I guess it's just too fast. I will say your great kazoo voice is closer to their voices than any of those bullshits. Um, but my, my biggest, my specific, like, so this whole arc is more Jimmy's got a Jimmy than ever before. But my specific quote is uh, when they're taught, when he's on board again, when like Sandy's wooed him over. He's talking about Judge Judy, and he uh-huh. says he likes her because she's tough but fair. Fucking only Jimmy likes Judge Judy. Uh-huh. And that Jimmy reveals he's alienated several waitresses who've worked at the lighthouse. That's it, fucking Jimmy Cooper. Yes, that is Jimmy Cooper. And it's not because I'm going to assume that the waitresses were not investing with Jimmy and he embezzled their money. No. I'm going to say he slapped him on the butt. He goes, look, my wife doesn't care. <laughs> Jimmy, we all care. Listen, baby. Yeah, hang out with Mr. Cooper now. <laughs> Speaking of Cooper, what did they they say? They talk about Gary Cooper a lot. Yes, the two of them. <gasps> Jimmy and Gary have the same last name. Jimmy, I've seen some Gary Cooper movies, sir. You are <laughs> no Gary Cooper. <laughs> yes, but they say uh, bathing. Gary Cooper would not approve of bathing. Yeah, it was Gary Cooper a stinky man? I'm gonna th- assume that you heard the wrong word. That's 
possible? Bath- bathing Gary Cooper is not like an old school Hollywood term. Bathing Gary Cooper is it an indie comedy? Listen, buddy, you gotta make this picture. You gotta make it for Jimmy Stewart. I don't want no bathing Gary Coopers around here. Wait, so you don't want to bathe in Gary Cooper? You want a stinky Jimmy Stewart? B- I don't These know. Are all drink names, right? <laughs> bathing Gary Cooper. Uh huh. Well, maybe it's because that was before pagers. So instead of paging people, you, you would bathe, bathe them. them? <laughs> like if you need to talk to me, like bathing uh, Gary Cooper. While I'm washing your knee pit, I needed to tell you this message. <laughs> and knee pit is, I mean, Hollywood can Hollywood actors can afford the knee pit washers, mm-hmm. but us common folk, the plebes. It's the part of the body that we forget the most. Yeah. Guys, wash the knee pit. When's the last time you washed the knees? What is your shower regime? We've, we've done this in like four episodes. There's no way. Do you want me to do it again? I get in the shower. I only let the water touch my knee pit. I scrub that real hard, and then I get out. That's why your knee pits are sparkling smell good. Yeah. And the, why the rest of you has tetanus of the gangrene? I get in the shower, and I get my knee on as if I'm dressed in 80s clothes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I get it now. It's going to take a second for you to recover from that. <laughs> I, I was stunned. I was baffled. I was like some sort of bathing Gary Cooper. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch the episode because there's no way that he says that. <laughs> Look, I have fat thumbs and take notes while I'm doing other things. Here's an actual question from, with actual words from the show. They decide that they're going to only do old school manly drinks at the uh-huh. bar of the restaurant and do away with umbrellas and colors of drinks. Right. Do you think... In Newport, in that place, that you could get away with that? Or do you think that's the kind of thing that all restaurant owners say and then have to bow down to the pressure of what the public wants I two think weeks in? They're 10 years too early. I, I do think there was a real resurgence in that, but they are ahead of their time by being so behind their time. If you do it because it's a business plan, I get it, or you prefer those kind of drinks. But Jimmy and Sandy, to me, aren't like men's men and blah, blah, no. blah. That feels like a real Caleb Nickel thing to say. Yes. And it made me like those two a little less because it felt like they were, I'm with another dude. We're learning how to be dude friends. I guess this is what a dude says. That, like, it's, it's locker room, forced it, locker room it, talk. It might have been a bit of locker room talk. Yeah, and when I'm in the locker room, I want to be bathing Gary Cooper. I don't want to be talking about drinks. But also from a business standpoint, it's stupid because if somebody orders a Mai Tai. Right. They're, they're about to pay $15 for about $3 worth of liquor. You want to be able to bring them a Mai Tai, not say, well, that's not manly enough for uh, this restaurant partner. Here's a scotch, and you're going to drink it neat. My Gary Cooper sounds a lot like John Wayne. <laughs> and my you sounds a lot like you. Yeah, it's true. You're perfect <laughs> at that. dead on you. That's dead on you. Dead on you. That's kind of all that happens with the two of them, right? It's just, yeah, the only thing that's, it's just Jimmy's bullshit. And then in the nick of time... Because that's how Jimmy does, not get there four, five hours late to everything. Okay. Sandy is telling the guy who owns the restaurant, and may, maybe it's a lawyer. I, I don't know the gentleman's specific role, but he's like, Sandy, you got to sign this or we're out. And he's like, okay, a weekend ago. This was not a glimmer <laughs> yeah. in anybody's eye. I know, but Sandy, you got to understand, there's only 12 minutes left in the episode. Oh, shit. Jimmy runs up and says, I'm ready. I'm here. I, I mean, I'll probably fail, but I'll do it. If you're the guy signing, I guess the guy's not an investor. I kept thinking like the guy would still have a stake in it, and he would go, "Fuck no!" But I guess wait that vaudevillian. Yeah, fuck no. Here's a slapstick, and just pull Jimmy off with a cane. But do you think he just shakes his head, realizing what a bad decision Sandy's about to make? Probably, but hey, as long as the check clears, the check clears. Who cares? The check always clears. I do have one last question about this plotline. If Mr. Cohen is Sandy, shouldn't he be the one that's bathing? 
That's what we call a Danny joke in the biz. That's a real Danny joke. Yeah. And I get why we call it that. No explanation needed. Let's take a break. Ryan. What, Mike? That what? That is Jimmy and Sandy in the lighthouse. Who do you want to dive into next? Let's do... I mean, there's two big ones, but we we got to save Oliver for later. So let's do should the we, introduction. Should we introduce Danny? To your single favorite comedian of all time. The one, the only, Danny. Danny boy. Danny boy. Now, Mike, how many Dannys, before we get into what a Danny is, mm-hmm. how many Dannys have you known in your life? I mean, in high school, isn't that the only, class clowns are Dannys. Right. I remember Mike Birbiglia, uh-huh. a very un-Danny type man, saying in the numerous uh, interviews comedians get like, oh, were you the class clown? He was like, no, no, no. Class clowns aren't funny. They're just loud. I was the guy who sat in the back quietly making fun of the class clown. If you know anyone who didn't just love Jim Carrey, but... Only talk to like Jim uh-huh. Carrey. If you know anyone who uh, constantly do- still does Borat and Austin Powers impressions, right. if you know anybody who gets excited by, and Seth uses this knowledge to his power, uh, gets excited where J- when Jay Leno is interviewing Sean William Scott, you might have a Danny but on your that hand. That is such a time-specific <laughs> and cruel personal attack for to watch him get that excited about that interview. In his later years, uh, his later oeuvre, I have become a Sean William Scott fan. Mm-hmm. Role models... Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, of course. TV show. Um, but American Bandcamp. Sure. I was not a pie person. No. I was a band. I, if, it, if it doesn't go straight to DVD, I don't want to see it. Let me only see it in a blockbuster and never in a theater. And that's crazy that you would go to a blockbuster <laughs> and say, can you play this and sit and watch it at a blockbuster? Well, you know they got their things up there. Yeah. They're sick of the trivia. And every time you watch it, you're like, oh, here's the Sean William Scott guy. Which fucking new Point American me to your pie. Sean William Scott selection, please. In all fairness, uh, I probably should have built that shelf for him. <laughs> now he knows where to go. Danny is played by an actor who has popped up in a bunch of things. He was Brad in Grounded for Life, a underwatched and underrated TV show. I bet it's more watched now because I think it's uh, easily streamable. Is that true? Yeah. So I assumed it was one of those ones that just disappears forever, even and it, though it's not from the 60s. It stars uh, Detective Bullock as yes. a father. Don L. Logue. Don L. Logue. Is that his name? <laughs> well, I don't think his middle initial is L, but <laughs> say it however L. you want. Logue. Uh, and then a bunch of other people you'd recognize. And then he was also Reaper and Reaper. Yes. The Kevin Smith TV show? Yes. Weird. But you, you'd recognize this game. Even if those two not popular shows. You don't even want to bring up your favorite show of all time? What's my favorite show of all What am I forgetting? The Loop. The Loop. Uh, yes, he starred in The Loop, which was a TV show that I think ran for two episodes that was all about an airplane so if you're a big fan of shows you've never seen you love this guy (laughs) you love this guy who is big we meet danny he says things like who took the jelly out of your donut or you referenced a line earlier ryan which was i am sandy and then he says well why don't you take a shower we when we meet him seth drops uh his lunch on the table he's about to eat and it's sushi and he does the classic uh, Kung Fu parody of move your mouth more than the oh, words yeah. that are coming out. He says something like, your spicy tuna has no match for my mushu pork. Mouth move, mouth move, mouth move. And yeah, it, he doesn't have to say mouth move, but you know, you're know you on a podcast Audio and suck. Format. So yeah. He would suck more if he... Actually, I'd be more into him if he said mouth move, mouth move. And Ooh, meta terrible jokes. Seth is bitching to everybody who will listen, but mostly just to Anna and or Ryan, I think. He's like, he, he's not funny, he's big. Big and cheap. Luke, Summer loves him, which is a uh-huh. little bit of a surprise. Luke almost chokes to death which because he's laughing so sense. hard, which ma- makes total sense. Ryan doesn't laugh because Ryan's never laughed. It's Anna, though. It's There's no way shit. that Anna 
is this much into Seth and thinks that Danny's funny. Anna should hate Danny. And this show has done so many things wrong with this character. But this is one of the most egregious for how <laughs> this much. This is the one where we write our strongly worded letter. How much they've built her up to be a, a smart, discerning, clever person. As far as com, not so much with fashion, but with comedy. Not, yes. Never with fashion. Yes. But unless she's really going for like a female drop dead Fred, I think that's maybe <laughs> what Anna's deal is. But for her to. He tells such non jokes. Like, this is what we call. Like, rough draft, we'll fix it eventually. Like, that's Danny jokes. Right. And then the way Luke, Ann, and Summer, like, roll, fall on the floor laughing. Like, hyperventilating. It is. And, like, mimicking what he said. Like, did you do the thing where you just say it again? Ugh. I hate that when somebody does it with a good joke. But not with Danny's big-ass non-jokes. I'm going to guess that people who do that with good jokes actually didn't tell good jokes. That is, I mean, that's the mark of a hacky, Mike-like person. But then Seth sees this and hates it and hates that Summer's into him. Now, we've right. talked many times about how the OCD, we didn't know this going in, but it's just basically now a show discovering what a piece of shit Seth is. Yes. Seth jumps in and says to Summer, or says to Danny, he doesn't like Danny, and says, you know what, Danny? Go bigger. And then right. Danny goes so big, he humps a kid to death. He rapes a kid into another room? Yes. It is weird. It is not okay. And is straight up the funniest thing this by, character is. By done. far. He sees, he sees the gang at the end of the hall. And a, another kid is walking into a classroom on his end of the hall. And I, for all intents and purposes, he has never met this kid before. <laughs> no. And grabs onto him and rides him like a horse into the thing. Summer and just, uh, it's atrocious. See, Ryan and Seth are both trying to embrace the friend. Uh-huh. Ryan with that Oliver and Seth with Danny. A non-phrase, like OC likes to say. They keep saying embrace the friend like it's on a flag. So Seth and Danny are hanging out playing video games. Danny is big at every, like even playing video games. He's just screaming the entire time. And is the kind of, not only is he screaming and not funny, he's the kind of asshole who says things. This kid invited you over because uh, you need friends and is feeding you snacks or whatever. And you're like, have you even played this before? Like he's such a prick about yeah. the video game. It, it doesn't matter what he does. I hate him. Like, Seth goes and gets two giant, like, leader Mountain Dews. Uh-huh. Like, this is the kind of thing that only rich people would stock in their fridge. We were lucky if we got a two-liter or a three-liter of Mountain Dew knockoff when I was a kid, and we couldn't even afford cups. We just had to pour it into our hands and sip See, it like we Jesus' would disciples. split a can of Mellow Yellow, and we would be happy about it. But the Cohen stock leaders of Mountain mm. Dew, individual leaders. And Seth brings one and hands it to Danny, and he says, Oh, God, thank you. I'm parched. And See, then, even when he's not telling a joke, he drives me fucking nuts. Yeah, he says things dumb, and then he chugs Mountain Dew, and Seth should be like, that's not going to help you with your thirst. What's it, like, fuck Seth for so many reasons, and, like, he does the evil thing of go bigger, but it's, make fun of Danny then. And, like, because Seth makes a joke, and everybody gets sad by it early, like, when our first it's introduction. Sad everybody, it. like, just goes, Ur. Everybody sheds one tear. But it's so weird for, if, if Seth thinks he's funny and doesn't like Danny, like, we're not great. If I make a joke, you will be mean to me about it. Hundred percent of the time, a squirrely motherfucker, and not like try to. What is uh, the dozens? Seth doesn't try to do that at all. Like just go back and forth and be mean. Fuck Seth. The dozens? It's playing the dozens. What are you? Talking I'm not about? the expert here. We should move on right away. Have you ever been in that position where you somebody like Danny's like Seth? Can you do me a favor? I really like Summer, and every time I'm around her, she talks about how funny you are. Can you like be less funny? And now Seth is in a position. Uh-huh. It is that's the saddest thing in the world. And he abuses it. He yes. says, "Oh, go bigger, knowing that it will ruin the relationship." Mm-hmm. Have you ever like noticed that you're in that situation and then like took advantage Fully of it like that? Super villain? Yes. I do not think so. But here's the crazy thing. OC's a TV show, which uh-huh. means you learn lessons, villains get their come up ins. 
Summer and Danny break up. Summer dumps him. Right. And then Seth is like, well, shit happens. And that's it. That is it. Yeah. We don't see Danny again. I think Seth killed him and threw him in the lake. He sailed him away on his boat. Summer is supposed to find out what Seth did and be mad. Right. But Seth's just like, well, shit happens. And then walks away. It is so weird because the show let, they saw Rachel Bilson was more three-dimensional than Summer and had more talent than most of the other kid actors. And so she evolved the character. But they went, nope, Seth's one of our protagonists, and even though he only does conniving evil things, the show does not let him become a villain. The first time I saw this episode, and I think this is what the episode wanted us to do, was just watching it, think that Danny's so bad, Danny's mm-hmm. so awful, that he deserves everything he gets. But now at my advanced age, Seth is just a manipulative prick, and Danny's just being Danny. If Danny didn't have the very sad... Please just stop. I like this girl so much. Then I might be more on Seth's side. Sure. But to, to that level of vulnerability is insane. And you go, oh, yeah, these kids are 15. Nobody has a personality. Danny's trying on the wrong one right now, but could grow up into an okay guy. Also, if Danny didn't uh, dry hump a 5'1 <laughs> yeah, Asian kid to great. death. But, like, Danny likes Leno, and that sucks. And fuck Danny for TiVoing Leno. I got into comedy with Dane Cook and Mitch Hedberg. I really like that half of that is great. And the uh-huh. other half is Dane Cook. And so I had Danny tendencies, I'm sure. And you grow up and out of them. But fuck Seth. For him to not get a, a one eyebrow raise. Yeah, another episode where, and this is an episode that included Caleb, included Juku. Seth is the piece of shit of the show. Are there any Danny final words? I'm glad that we don't spend a lot of time around Danny's anymore because they still exist even at our age. Yeah. It's not a high school thing. It's, it's, a, sh- it's a type of – I don't have jokes. I know people – two things everybody thinks they're great at, uh, driving and jokes. Yes. And most people are bad at both of those things. But I don't need to learn jokes. My wife loves what I do. Ryan, I know you think we're probably done with Seth and Anna because mm-hmm. we already just talked about them. Plus, we took a break. And I grabbed you by the lapels, mm-hmm. and I held you against the wall, and I lifted you up because I'm very strong. You're a regular old-fashioned Flash Thompson. And I said, we're done with Seth and Anna, which would lead me to believe that we're done with Seth and Anna. But you are not the arbiter of this show. Yeah, so I'm told. I am. So we talked about Seth and Anna in relation to Danny, but he is just a blip in their relationship and what's going on with them right now. Seth has decided he hates how similar... He and Anna are. So he's all about this for an entire hour. Like, he is just nonstop talking about it. When Anna responds to him and says, like, okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Do you get from Anna, like, oh, that's a good point, or all right, Seth, I'll go through this phase with you? It seems like in the beginning it's I'll go through this phase with you. Like, she sort of rolls her eyes. And also because he's so abrupt, she, like, steps physically back. She's like, what? And then... Wait, so you're saying that Seth uh, awkwardly, not smoothly stumbled into a giant conversation that Anna just now has to have? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, throughout the episode, she seems full buy-in. But she does seem like it's a game. Because he's like, I'm going to get custard. And she's like, well, then I guess I'll get a chocolate chip cookie. Like, it does to her seem like, isn't this a fun thing you should do to couples and explore? Less like he's concerned about it, but more whiny. It's, he's not concerned about the relationship. He's trying to find a problem with it. Is this sort of like what girls have to do in relationships, high school or not, of just like, I have no idea what he's upset about or right. why, but I'll just roll my eyes till he's over it? Maybe. Because it's bullshit, and I don't care, and I know that he doesn't care, but here we go. 
and in and because they're high schoolers, she doesn't go. What the fuck is this about? She just goes okay and goes. Where I I would hope in a more mature relationship, the partner would just say what? Explain yourself. But I mean, it's hilarious that they're in the same color T-shirt and same color track jacket. That is very funny. But for him to be like, I guess we can't read comic books together. And she was like, I got tickets to Bright Eyes, and he went, Ah, we do we even like them, mother? You know what the two of you never do is go to see fucking Bright Eyes. Also, you're going to put some dumb thing that you care about just today, but probably not next week, in front of going to see Bright Eyes. Something that, as a non-Bright Eyes fan, I would not pass on. I would go see, what's his name? David Thewlis. What's his name? Connor David Thewlis. I think it's David Thewlis. David Thewlis. I would go see them, right? Like He puts on a fucking stomping show. It's such a... He, a thousand instruments he plays. Stomp, like trash cans. Sometimes, and- yeah. Oh, yeah. He does the full one-man stomp. Have I told my Bright Eyes story on this show? Yeah, it, you went to see Stomp, and that was the one group with the blue dudes. They were all blue. Yeah, and, and then all the marshmallows in the mouth, and then just, you could tell they used to be in band because trumpets would come out and just blocks. Is Stomp the one thing with the blue guys who work at a big grill in an Asian restaurant and flip food into your mm-hmm. mouth? And they, I've been to that volcano. show. Have I told my Bright Eyes story? Oh, you still want to go with it? No, you have not. Tell it. Uh, I got into Bright Eyes because a girl in my English class who had a crush on, who I talked to very rarely, uh, had like the notebooks and it had it all over. And I had a lot of music magazines. And so I'd heard the name and we started talking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, they're awesome. I got one of their albums. I was like, this is legit good. Bought a ticket, uh, two tickets, happened to be on Valentine's Day. I went, hey, a friend bailed out. And she went, oh, no, thank you. And so I <laughs> <laughs> went to Bright Eyes with a friend. It, they are legitimately one of my longest running favorite bands. But it played out so funnily and so dumb. Did I tell you my Bright Eyes story? Please. I'm not going to lie like you just did and make up some terrible story. Um, I never listened to Bright Eyes, mm-hmm. and I did not like them. Mm-hmm. I, d- I did not Your think combo. they were good. Uh, somebody gave me my first Bright Eyes album was a Connor Oberst album. Okay. And I listened to it, and I thought it was spectacular. Like, I loved it, and then realized I didn't know at that time that I hated Bright Eyes despite never listening to them. Right. I just do that with bands. I just look at the people who are recommending them and me. say, no, I hate them. I know you. I know what you're about. I'm out. Bands are a lot like food. Like, I'll just look at an eggplant and say, oh, I don't. Nope. that's disgusting, as opposed to actually listening to them. You know, eggplants aren't actually dicks. Wait. That's not cooked dick. No, but emojis, though. Emojis might be code. I don't know what Bright Eyes is code for, but yeah, you got to start seeing the reality. The first, Based on emojis, the first time I had sex was I took an eggplant, uh, spit on a peach, and threw it at the wall. <laughs> sex is gross. Sex is weird, dude. So that's where Seth and Anna are emotionally. For, I think, a couple of episodes. This, this is going to last. This is... The start, it's because Ryan and Marissa fight all the time. Instead of Seth being like, here, you shouldn't do that. He went, what's wrong with me? Because Seth is deeply, deeply insecure. Getting back into drilling into Anna's head and trying to figure out what she's thinking. Do you think that she met Seth and was like, yes. And then slowly found out like we did on our sixth rewatch of the OC. Oh, fuck. Or do you think that Anna saw what we're seeing now, and said, I can work with this, and then found out, I cannot work with this. No, because I do Because just so you know, Seth and Anna do break up. Seth has peeled away and gotten grosser throughout this first season. I do think in the first couple episodes, his selfishness was, could be seen as funny. Like, well, he's a nerd, but he hides it by doing this, and then the more you get to know him, you're like, oh no, you are a piece of shit. More than being a nerd who's picked on, you are a rich white boy who thinks the world owes you things. 
Sandy has his faults, although we do not like to talk about them on the show. And Kirsten, even less so. Ryan has his faults, and Summer has her faults, and Marissa has her faults. But they're all good people. Uh-huh. Is Seth certifiable? Like, is Seth... Yeah, even is in Seth his... broken? Even when he attempts to be good, he undercuts it normally a sentence later. There, t- there are moments of real sincerity, normally only with Ryan. That's the only person he, like, treats like a person. And then he undercuts it immediately. There's a conversation in this episode, and this happened. This has happened before in other episodes, where Ryan is opening up, uh-huh. and Seth made that happen. And that's like that's a boon for like that's a really good right. quality of Seth. Ryan is now talking about his feelings, which has never happened in Ryan's life. But still, you can see Seth waiting for Ryan to be quiet mm-hmm. to the point where they're always confused about what the topic is, right? Because Seth won't stop and listen to Ryan. They're just back and forth, me, 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 me. And with the Seth and Ryan stuff is he never believes Ryan about Oliver. This is the the at no point this dude who you say is your brother and your best friend. You barely know this Oliver, but he's another rich kid who lets you go to concerts. So when Oliver when Ryan's like, "Here's an issue I have Oliver," Seth just goes, "Nah, you're crazy." All right, Mike. I typically think that you are not just the most wonderful host of all time, but definitely the most wonderful host of the OC. But OCD. But that was the perfect segue. Seth doesn't believe Ryan Mm -hmm. about the whole Oliver thing. And he should. But should he? Because in order to build drama, and probably we're preparing for some future episode, like next week, but Ryan in this episode, like disregarding anything that might happen in the future, Mm -hmm. is fucking crazy pants. Right. The realest Seth has ever been in the first 17 episodes is are in these moments in this episode where he's saying, Ryan, stop. Fuck, dude. Right. Totally. For sure, he even needed a manicure. But I think Ryan goes crazy because for five episodes, he goes, I have a bad feeling about Ryan. And at no point about Oliver, and at no point does Seth go, tell me about it. He just shoves Ryan away over and over and over. He literally never lets him explain why. Okay. I get Ryan, Ryan blows it out like he goes crazy in this episode. He pulls a bunch of Atwoods. But th- to never be heard by your best friend, I think, could double. He, he, Seth helps isolate him. Okay, I get what you're saying, and I think that you're right about Marissa, that Marissa doesn't listen mm-hmm. and doesn't ask questions. But I don't think – Seth isn't being a good friend or a good brother, but he's just logical mm-hmm. and trying to keep his nose clean. Sure. It doesn't matter who did what. What this is is bad. Like, right. stealing that letter is bad. For sure. Don't be the crazy one when you're dealing with a crazy person. Yeah, rise above. He's saying, go high. And I think this is his Sandy Cohen showing, is that, like, look, man, we can sit down and have a conversation, mm-hmm. and maybe he should have made time for that, and he didn't. But what he's saying right now is the very, like, lawyery. Right. This is, yeah, this is that, objectively bad. It is objectively bad, and that, that's fully on. I'm saying in, the, in the, the realm of the Oliver, he's had one good moment here and shuts down Ryan every other chance. And it's not... Uh, not as bro with Ryan as Luke is. Right. Luke has been on his side for multiple episodes. But the one moment, I guess the one defense that uh, Seth has is when Oliver comes out around the corner and is revealed to now go to uh, Harbor. Mm-hmm. Now Seth is like, hmm, wow, maybe I was wrong. The, maybe his- maybe I was wrong about Ryan. Maybe Ryan's right. You still can't steal, steal that right. letter, but maybe uh, Ryan's right. But he had a face for a second, and then he goes, nah, he's just here. Like, he pushes it away because I think he's scared of rocking any sort of boat. And only has so much time to think about it because 
of his stuff. Because, yeah, because he a hoe. I mean, he's a capital N narcissist. All right, we got to take a break. I guess we're just diving into Ryan and Marissa and Oliver. Ryan, we're at the reason for the season, the big three drama. Laying it out, Oliver, as we said, is now at Harbor High. Ryan starts off trying to deal with it and with Marissa pretty good. He says, I'm not saying I might not get weird about it again, but I'm going to try. That's Honest. super communicative. Yep. And Marissa knows the whole thing now. Not saying, I'm fine, I'm perfect, we're all great. Being like, I do have issues, but I will work on it for you. That's fucking amazing. And does he say that post or pre Oliver becoming a Harbor student. Pre. Yeah. And then Oliver shows up and Ryan's just like, what the fuck? And then that does go out the window. But his heart for a second was in the right place. But he he's a detective. Are we seeing some young flashes of Jim, Jim Gordon? Gordon? Maybe. Because Oliver says there was an incident and everyone just like shrugs it off and goes, you know, incidents. And Ryan's just like, what kind of incident? And everybody looks at Ryan like he's a monster. But... Obviously, he's being Jim Gordon. Like, this mm-hmm. is the training. But also, uh, you have to know fucked up people to know fucked up people. Uh-huh. And everyone else on the show has always been, like, filled with these fake people who are right. like, everybody's nice, even if it's ingenuine. And Ryan has been through some shit. He has, uh-huh. the amount of mom's boyfriends alone has taught him everything he needs to know about psychology for the rest of right. his life. And so, you can just tell when somebody says something in a certain way. And that's how Oliver can manipulate him is because Oliver knows Ryan's not from this world and he can do the nice on paper. Yes. If Luke was still going out with Marissa, Oliver would have a harder time, even uh-huh. though Luke is a big dumbass. But knows that people trust Ryan-ish? Mm-hmm. Not really. He's from Chino. He's a bad boy. And now Oliver can do whatever he wants. I will go back to the Palm Springs episode uh-huh. where uh, Oliver says, hey, man, we should be friends. And... Uh, even though I'm a super douchebag and Ryan's like, yeah, it's cool. Just next time you want to hook up with my girlfriend, let me know. So I'll stay at home. And then Oliver throws dishes and starts slapping his head. And Marissa runs down. And the first thing she says is, what did you do to Ryan? Everyone blames Ryan right away. And here he does go crazy. He, he does break into high school in the middle of the night. He does steal the letter, Natalie's letter that, and that's the big reveal. It's not, he's not in love with Marissa. It's to Natalie. And this episode does something amazing, uh, which is have Dr. Kim, who I can't believe how much I'm relating to as I get older and watch Uh the show. Dr. Kim is the best. Bring Marissa in and say, like, Marissa, I do have to talk Uh to you about this uh, new transfer student who came here and I'm very worried about. And she's like, oh, Oliver's fine. Oh, no. I'm not talking about Oliver. Dr. Kim knows her drama, for sure. She's like TNT. But is this, I, I do have a question about this. Is this an overstep? Should Dr. Kim have talked to Marissa, or is that a weird overstep? Well, is it in her job description? Like, is it on the contract? No. But I do think that she has personal attachments to these kids. That's a good mentory move. Not So I think I do, if we're telling real-life stories again, possibly same year, definitely same high school, because I only went to one high school. Uh, I had a teacher who I eventually dropped out of, who I had three years in a row, uh, was not dating a girl the first year. But we were friends, and the teacher knew I was into her because teachers are smart. Dated the girl the second year I was in this teacher's class. And then we broke up. And then junior year, she would not stop asking me why I broke up with this girl in class, in between class. And eventually I was like, nope, fuck that. And so teachers getting involved in students' personal lives really creeps me out. That is true. That is true. 
and I think I know who that teacher is. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Kim is not gossipy. Right. Dr. Kim is concerned, concerned. because Marissa's boyfriend, current boyfriend, not future boyfriend, uh, is breaking into the school and stealing files. And that is objectively bad. Like, right. We know why Ryan did it. We're on Ryan's side. And we will be eventually vindicated. But right now... That just looks like shit. And Sandy and Kirsten start out on Ryan's side because they're like, we believe you, but you're a fucking idiot for trying to handle this alone. And it's how everybody handles Ryan is very interesting because eventually everybody will get pushed away by the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. But the isolation and so if Dr. Kim has a flair for dramatic, the person who wins the drama award, which is not a thing we do here because that'd be hard to give because they're all very dramatic. Mm -hmm. Oliver, one of my favorite moments of the season, the series so far. Television history. Is Oliver glaring at Ryan playing pool, and then they're talking, and uh, he's like, did you think I came here because of Marissa, because I'm in love with her? And Ryan's like, yeah, it's crazy. Oliver's, eh. Mm. Oh, my God. All right, so what we had- Oh, it's so good. What we had last week, or maybe two weeks ago, was Oliver taking a picture of Ryan and Marissa and putting it behind a frame. Uh-huh. Ooh, he's the villain. That's so scary. Uh, and way too much. And I thought it would be cooler if the OC played it slower and we weren't sure if Ryan was right or if Oliver right. was right. But Oliver, not saying, haha, idiot, but, mm, eh. whew. Oh, dog. And then that's the whole, like, leading. So Ryan beats the fuck out of him by the end of this because Oliver does know how to press his buttons and kind of wants to get the shit kicked. Like, oh, for sure. His, he came in to get punched. And because he's smirky, his beautiful, eh. And but the Oliver wisdom is if this wasn't a TV show and if he wasn't crazy and said Marissa and I are supposed to be together, people like you shouldn't be with her. Some like classist Romeo and Juliet bullshit. But he says, don't blow your whole life over some chick you're not going to care about in 10 years. That's very true. Don't blow your whole life over for a high school significant other. Yeah. I mean, Oliver sucks. He's an asshole. But that is true. Sandy like, has already told him, like, you, we might lose you. Don't do anything. Yeah. And that there was a flash of, because I do think Oliver wanted to get hit, but he seems sincere. Like, I think he wants to, as little way, he wants Marissa, he wants Ryan gone, but as easily as possible. Okay, so here's the thing. Oliver is right. Very few high school relationships turn into long-lasting marriages, right. uh, lifetime marriages. But... Remember that you are 16 at this time, mm-hmm. and this is the biggest moment of your life so far. Right. You have never known drama in your life more than your feelings towards this person. For so sure. if somebody were to tell you, that's actually not a big deal at all, but it's your biggest deal ever, you're going to freak the well, fuck out. Every parent to their yeah. kid dating somebody. How can sure. they not remember what it was like for them to be in high school? Why are all parents the worst? Parents suck. God damn it. They just, Ryan, they just don't understand. Earlier in the show, we were talking about, have you ever had a heart-to-heart, realized what was going on, and taken advantage of it? Like, mm. made it work for you? Have you ever, I already know the answer to that. I hope it's no, gone in to a conversation knowing all I want is for this person to punch me in the face <laughs> so everything will work out perfectly for me? Because that's exactly what Oliver does. Not. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did I think too far in the distance? I have a rule, especially when I was younger, and now the rule is just never fight, is never throw the first punch. Uh-huh. But I knew how to be a pop-off to right. the point where, say enough to get to somebody to hit me. And you never remember the fact that uh, the lightest punch and you're knocked out on the ground. Yeah. You're always like, throw the first punch. Throw, ah! throw, throw. Uh, but never in, in, in a Salieri, 
orchestral, like th- manipulating the whole thing. Like definitely just like dumb friend bullshit. My go-to line in life, like my go-to movie or TV line is Jimmy McNulty's, what did I do? Uh-huh. Uh, I use it all the time, even though I know perfectly what I did. Nope. And Oliver's look up at Marissa, like, I can't believe I was punched, was Jimmy right. McNulty, what did I do? And then we cut back to Ryan saying, oh, my God, I know what I did. Uh-huh. I fell right into his trap. I did, I did everything perfectly. I'm right. essentially Batman and Jim Gordon all rolled into one. I am defending her honor and I'm doing the right thing. And I got manipulated the shit out of because me. Because then everybody, even though they're all looking at Oliver, do not see his bloody Joker-esque smirk at Jim Gordon. If Oliver was 6'4", and a black belt in ninjutsu uh-huh. still would have taken that punch and fallen to the ground. Oh, for sure. And but I bet he did not expect Ryan to go as ham as Ryan went. He that was went hard guard. Scurry. And then flair for the dramatic. The next day, nobody really knows what happened yet. I guess it, they're like, "Oh, is Marissa coming?" And this is how he lets the Cohen family know they broke up. He goes, "Marissa isn't picking me up," and then waves his hair and walks off. They're all drama. I would be interested, and we're not. We're not very Atwood-esque, me and you, nope. right? Like, we don't really react that same way. Like, violently? Violently or letter sealily. No. I, I, I would like to know if we were in that situation what we would do. We, like, we think that we're confident enough and cool enough to be like, letter stealing is wrong and punching is wrong. Right. And now Ryan is just wrong. He's just wrong. Even though Oliver went, and I quote, Hmm. Hmm. Um, but, like, would we have handled it differently and how? If if in high school. Punching, no. I don't think I'm a punching guy. I do think I used to be more manipulative in my I, younger days. I'm a punchy guy when there's, like, a big bowl and oh, a yeah. ladle. Let's get my punch on. I do think that the letter, if I'd seen that happen, I could see stealing the letter. But I'm smarter than Ryan. I would have gone to the bathroom, read it, and then put it back in. Get better at being an idiot, asshole. But the punching, definitely not. No. See, I think I would have left the letter alone. Well, that's why we're the perfect team. But then thrown the punch. But the problem is that I've only seen punches thrown in movies. Uh-huh. I've never thrown a punch or had a punch thrown on me. So it would have been that perfect miss. Uh, wrist hits the face. Oh, yeah, you would have snapped your shattered wrist. Shattered my hand. He barely notices. And then I fall to the ground, and everybody's like, Oliver, what'd you do? You broke his wrist. See, I would have handled Foiled it perfectly. his plan, you beautiful bastard. We have to take a break. When we come back, more drama. Ryan, we are out of time. All we have left to do are to clean up some awards. I know you're going to be shocked by this, but it's unbelievable how much more I have to say about this episode. Give me one final word. One final word. I can't believe the cast uh, grasp of the English language. At some point, somebody says, oh, wow. Somebody knows this infinitives. And then somebody else says, oh, wow. I can't believe how much they know their subjunctives. Good, good job, OC class. Well, that's what you get for fucking private-ass prep schools. That's what happens. That's where all the money goes. That's where the money goes. How much a year? A bajillion dollars. A bill- bajillion dollars? 10000 10000 a year? Yeah. I don't know. My guess. I'd pay zero, so. That's smart. What is your magical music moment of this week? <laughs> My magical music moment, and I loved it. I, lo- I fell in love with it so much that I started laughing the third or fourth time it happened, mm-hmm. is that... Much like bum, 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 bum. Mm-hmm. Ryan, or as we call him, Jim Gordon, has his own bad boy theme. And every time he went to do something bad, like he would look up and he would think about it. And like you would hear this. And then it would cut <laughs> to him drums? doing bad stuff. <laughs> and he had his own bad boy theme song. That just like Batman good. does. 
uh, my magical music moment is not that. It covered two couples. Uh, Anna is gone. Summer and Seth are talking at lockers and then look wistfully. They so obviously want to be with each other. That was the time where Seth did not get comeuppance. He did not get comeuppance like he should have. And because OC is sometimes perfect with how on the nose is, a very like wispy falsetto voice over guitar says still a little hard to say what's going on which no it's not everybody knows what's going on and then that song damien rice's cannonball blasts into ryan and marissa also looking sad because everybody's sad now i'm sorry is this a song called cannonball or a literal cannonball bust into the room you didn't notice that <laughs> you, <laughs> not, you need to watch more clearly yeah, dude. uh the song is called cannonball by one damien rice okay and then, so uh, the song Cannonball played over a literal cannonball flying through the room. Yes. That's why it's on the nose. On the nose? And that's why everybody looked sad. I would have looked terrified, but they all looked sad. But you'd be like, pirates! Oh, cannonball's back. Ryan, what is your sandy wisdom? I got a tie. Do you only have one? Do you want to go? Because I, I can't decide. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go to see if I burn one of yours. Okay. Uh, it was... We could have talked about this. It was for the Danny. It's one of the Sandy has real wisdom, I'm sure, in this, but my favorite Sandy wisdom after he meets Danny, he turns to Seth and goes, Whoa, that kid is not funny. Get some funnier friends. When Sandy is around teenagers that are not from his balls, he's a nerd. He's a dad. Yeah. But when it's just Sandy and Seth, and I think we might talk about this next week, uh, he is such an insightful person about uh-huh. human beings. And he pulls Seth aside and he thinks Seth is maybe not like a riot. But a 16-year-old funny guy. He's definitely yeah. si- funny for a 16-year-old. And he's like, whoa. He's not funny. But he does say, it's just, it's, it's the white people, right? Like, Yeah. Gentiles. Boys. Gentiles is what they call it. They can't be funny. You know, like, I love your mom, and Seth loves Ryan, not but funny. they're Gentiles. They're not funny. So, the other one is, and this is like real dad wisdom, is both Sandy and Kirsten are heartbroken to think that Ryan might be kicked out of yet another house. Uh-huh. And I love Sandy's, like, he's trying to be cool. He's trying to, like, be smart and adequacy, but he can't help but say, oh, when we're through it with you, you'd wish you were kicked out of this house. That's so <laughs> dad and probably so true. And probably the kind of dad Ryan ever got is tough but not beating the fucking shit out of you on Christmas morning. Yeah, because all of Ryan's other dads, which are just mom's boyfriends, right. were like, I don't care. Beer? Can you yeah, give, give me a, a, beer, do you have a beer? Give my face to your fist. I'm going to attack you with my own face. What a weird Christmas present. Psychological warfare. Ryan, do you have Comic Couture? Or what's it called? Orange County Couture. Now, I didn't do this. Did you do this? I didn't. I didn't do it. No, no, I haven't, oh, I haven't okay, asked okay. you yet. This was a thing for a long time. I think it's a little Braffian, but definitely Orange Countyian. Did you do the thing where you wore a collared shirt under a sweater and yet did not tuck in the collared oh, shirt? Oh, Bo. Show. You did. I, I feel normally like you did. saved it for like Christmases. Argyle sweater, collared shirt underneath, but yeah. did not tuck it in. Did not tuck. That's how you knew it was cool. And I never got because mine would like balloon up like a dress, and I was like, no, I want it to be like slit. I don't. I didn't get that you shouldn't get giant shirts. Then get small shirts if you're gonna do that. I fucking I love the mentality behind this. To me, it reminds me of uh, like. Uh, trimming your beard so it looks like you have a five o'clock shadow, like forcing your manliness. Well, it's, it's bedhead, right? Look, I don't. I'm not. I'm not that guy who tucks in his shirt. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna leave it untucked and then put a sweater, sweater over it. Now over everyone it. knows I'm the king of the party. King of the party. What's your comic connection? None. Yeah, there's none, which is surprising. My comic connection is uh, Mitch Hedberg. Connect to him. Listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Miss him. We do not need to bring ink and paper into this. 
etc. And that's it. I think that's all the awards, unless you got any other outstandings. That's it. All right. That's the show. You want to do a speed round? Let's do a speed round. Go. Yourpotfilter.com is the only website you can go to to get every single article and podcast that me and Mike are responsible for. We are the kings. Greg and Taylor are our plebeians who do our bidding, make them do more work. More work like being on the Superhero Hour Hour, the podcast where we rate, review, and watch every single TV show based on comic books. That's our Friday show. Our Monday show is Movie of the Year, where we are deciding what is the best movie of every single year that has ever existed. Right now, we're doing 2004. Tune in to see what it is, because it's not what you think, but it is what you know. Monthly Tuesday show, the first Tuesday of every month, is Taylor Talking Taylor, where Taylor talks about Taylors of Note. Our Wednesday show, and it's every other Wednesday, is Writer's Block. My good friend Mike will sit down with a published writer. Hey, unpublished writers, settle down. You can't be on the show yet. And he will hack into their brain and figure out what makes them tick. Please subscribe, rate, and review all those to those shows wherever you get your podcasts. What's our Thursday show? What is our Thursday? It's this motherfucking show, the OCD, you D. If you want to support us directly, please go over to patreon.com slash pop filter. You can pick a tier and we'll give you a little gem of an extra bonus thing and it's fun. Just go over there. Uh, yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark. Only buy stuff online from that. And when you do, it helps us out a lot. Yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Hit us up on Twitter at yourpopfilter.com. Give us a little email. Contact at yourpopfilter.com. And if you want Speed us around. to hear your voice... YouTube. Speed round, asshole. <laughs> I saw that coming. Uh, search for Your Pop Filter on YouTube, and you will see video versions of our podcast. They are delightful and wonderful and crazy, and they are the apple fritters of the internet. Do you not like apple fritters? That is true, but what I actually said is, if you want us to hear your voice, call one five six two doctor dj pop That is a robot associate. What do you think about Oliver and Danny? Are you pro both of them? Speed round. We want to get to know you. One of his hands is a... Spatula. One of his hands is a... George Foreman Grill? Let Ryan know he sucks with your variant voice. 1562DRDJPOP. Thank you to the Holophonics for that sweet theme music. That's the show. Ryan, you know how we end. Check, bitch. Stay gay. Stay gay. California. California. I don't need to learn jokes. My wife loves what I do. <laughs> that's no, it. that's it. Cut it after that. <laughs>